Hello, and welcome to the BDO Financial Wellness Podcast. I'm Tara Bellio, and in this episode, we are going to be tackling the very difficult discussion surrounding debt and divorce. Financial difficulties can take a toll on a relationship. In fact, money problems are often cited as the leading cause of a marital breakdown. The end of a marriage, as traumatic as it can be, can be even more stressful when there are worries, confusion, or disagreements about debt issues like credit card balances and outstanding loans. So it's understandable that couples often have questions or concerns about how to deal with their debt before during, or after a divorce. My guests in this episode are BDO Licensed Insolvency Trustees Jasmine Brown and Paul Njadiak. Jasmine and Paul have both helped individuals and couples who are going through relationship breakdowns overcome their financial problems. So I'm looking forward to the conversation with them because I know that there are so many myths surrounding debt and divorce about things like who is responsible for what, single debt versus joint debt, and which spouse can be pursued by creditors. So let's jump right in. Paul, let's start with a question that you probably hear often. What happens to debt, for example, credit card debt, car loans, line of credit, when a couple separates or divorces? When you're getting into a marriage, a marriage doesn't automatically tie you to your partner's uh, debts or or their credit as well. During a marriage, if you are going to have any joint debt, now joint debt is when two of you are on that credit facility, meaning both of you are responsible. In order for both of you to be on that, both of you actually have to sign the documentation at the start. It just doesn't automatically happen when you say, I do. One thing important to remember is, is when you're leaving a marriage is very similar. So if you have your own individual debts, if your partner wasn't involved uh, with your debts during your marriage, well, then when you leave that marriage, you are they're not going to be involved unless something ties you to that. Again, either you've signed a documentation or through the divorce proceedings, you have agreed to pay the other person's debt. Um. So what if the debt is under one spouse's name, but the other spouse has spent the funds? Well, it really comes down to also the the credit agreements, what you what you've agreed to Uh, with the credit agreements. If the other spouse has been spending the funds, the financial institution really doesn't care who signed the funds. They really care about who signed on the dotted line, who's obligated to pay those funds. So you've defaulted on your visa card and you say your spouse has been spending all the money. The financial institution really doesn't care. They want you to pay the money and you're going to have to pursue your spouse outside of uh, the, the visa card, for example. And this is where a lot of divorces get very sticky as well. And I have seen a lot of messy divorces where, you know, both spouses are looking or ex-spouses are looking at each other saying, you spent the money, I didn't spend the money. And it becomes a very complicated, uh, long divorce in those situations. Now, I actually had a friend run this problem. What if the divorce agreement said that the individual debts would be shared in a divorce, but that person didn't even know about it. They didn't co-sign on it. Are they obligated to sign that paperwork? and say, yes, I'm going to pay that debt? Well, it depends on if it's obligated, if they're going to be signing the the paperwork. Of course, they're hopefully going to have some legal advice as they're going through the divorce proceedings. However, it is ordered uh, that both of them have to pay the debt. The one thing to remember about that is your financial institution is not party to your divorce. And what that means is they're not involved in discussions, nor are they obligated to follow that divorce agreement because they have not been involved. So despite you having a divorce agreement saying, Saying my ex-spouse has to pay this debt, the bank is still going to pursue you and they're not going to be pursuing your ex-spouse. 
What about secured debt then? Well, secured debt, that's a bit more complicated of a situation. Now, with secured debt, a lot of times we do see this uh, through marriages. Uh, in particular, if it was there was a matrimonial home and you own real estate, uh, the financial institutions normally want the spouse to sign off, and they also want them to consent to that agreement. So, yes, that is a little different because you are actually tied to that debt. Now, when would you have to pay if there's any shortfall? Well, if, if you... If one of the spouses stops paying that debt, then the bank, for example, is going to start a power sale or foreclosure proceedings against the property. And anyone who has signed on to that mortgage will be obligated to pay for any shortfall. Okay. Now, Jasmine, how can a person protect themselves from debt during a divorce? So it's really important to look at what your name is actually on, like Paul has said, um, and if you have a spouse that's still attached to a credit card or some other credit facility and you have concerns that they may continue to incur additional debt, you can work to have them removed from those cards. So remove your spouse as a secondary card holder um, so that they're unable to continue to, um, to use the debt. You can also freeze certain accounts so that they're only able to accept payment versus someone being able to incur additional debt or increase the balance. You do want to make sure, like Paul has said, if your name is on it, the financial institution sees you as responsible. And if you want to protect your own credit report, your own credit score, it's important that you are making the payments, at least until you have some assurance that somebody is going to be paying it, either because of a family law uh, a divorce or separation agreement or or for some reason, but you do want to make sure that the payments are being made so that your credit report is protected. Um, for secured debts, if you are able, it may make sense to refinance those um, those loans under one name and remove the other spouse completely. Uh, and so probably whoever is keeping the asset will refinance them under their own name, provided that they can qualify on their own too. Okay. And so also joint, I want to just touch on this for one second, because I think this is a myth that comes up a lot with us. So joint does not mean that you're responsible for 50% of the amount, correct? That's right. If you're joint, you're basically jointly and severally liable. So a financial institution is going to go where they can get paid. So if they're running dry on one spouse, but they're collecting payment on another, they're going to go for full payment from one until the balance is cleared and they have every right to do that. So joint does not mean that, okay, the bank will just split this 50-50, collect my share, and then equally go after my partner for the remainder, um, it, it doesn't work like that. You can basically consider yourself 100% 100 responsible until that debt is paid in full. Thank you for clarifying that. Now, Paul, what are the pros and cons of filing a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy before or after a divorce? Well, it really comes down to looking at your entire debt situation. You need to examine the situation to see, okay, is my spouse joint? Is it going to affect them? How is this going to proceed? Number one is 
you need to start looking after yourself when you're going through the divorce. So you need to look at your financial situation. Like I am moving ahead. I'm no longer in a joint situation with my spouse. It's about me and where I am going to get the, down the road. So it's all about financial planning and you're looking three to five years down the road. And if you're struggling right now, you need to take action right now and not be concerned about what your ex-spouse is doing. Mm-hmm. And when should you file a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy before divorce? Well, it, it, Again, it depends on uh, some situations in a divorce are pretty clear. Everything has already been uh, split up. Everything's been divided. It's fine to proceed. Uh, A lot of times people don't know what's going to be happening through a divorce situation. So if you don't know how much you're going to have to pay in support, if you don't know how much you're going to be obligated to pay, if you are going to be incurred with more legal fees moving forward, this all factors into whether you should go before or after. One of the best things sitting down with a licensed insolvency trustee is we're going to explore all these options because everyone's situation is unique. Everyone's marriage was unique. Everyone's divorce is going to be unique. So what we'll do is we'll do a financial plan and we're going to talk about you know what the pros and cons are and what you should be looking for if you are going to be you know filing right now or if you're going to wait till your divorce finalizes as well the other thing you should also be talking to is also you have legal advice from your lawyer if you have a lawyer that's going through divorce proceedings so they're going to be able to provide you with specific legal advice a licensed insolvency trustee can provide you with the options and what you can do right now but a lawyer can actually tell you hey you need to pull the trigger right now or you should wait until this divorce is finalized and to add to that, a licensed insolvency trustee um, can run some scenarios with you. So if you're unsure of what the support payments will be, they can go through and look at, okay, if this is your income and this is your support payment, here's what you'd be looking at. If your support payment is actually quite a bit higher or lower, they can run those scenarios with you to give you a fairly decent idea of what you'd be expected to pay in a bankruptcy or proposal scenario, but it may make sense to wait until there's some resolution to that if you have the luxury of waiting. Sometimes the creditors are at the door and you, you know, you, you have to act a little bit faster. And and the other thing to remember is in in a bankruptcy, what your payments are going to depend on a number of factors. And, and I hate to jump ahead if we're going to be talking about this down uh, in this podcast a little later on. But in bankruptcy, your payments are determined on what your monthly income is and what your monthly expenses are. And also the those expenses uh, factor in support payments and child support payments. So while, you know, in a bankruptcy, while your payments might seem a little high right now, if you are obligated to pay support, it could lower those payments. You know, in a consumer proposal, it's a little different because the, the creditors are looking at your situation right now. They're not looking at, you know, what you're going to be paying, you know, potentially one year down the road. So you, are you going to want to go into a consumer proposal right now with your payments set at a certain amount and there's certain unknowns? You know, so this is why we run those scenarios with with, uh, with debtors and clients. We, we give them those options and we let them then pick and choose which is best for them. Well, since we're talking about alimony and child support. Let's talk about it right now. So we'll just move on to that. Um, For example, what happens when an ex-spouse files a consumer proposal or bankruptcy? Will they have to make their support payments, Jasmine? Yes, they will still have to make their support payments regardless of whether they're in a proposal or a bankruptcy. 
it can affect their ability to make payments if they if they have a support payment that is higher than anticipated, but they are still required to pay it. Um, it is considered a, what's called a non-discretionary expense when you have child or spousal support to pay. So it does impact, um, it does have an impact on a bankruptcy, um, but they are definitely still required to make the payments. And, and I guess from a from a social standpoint, if you take a look at the whole purpose of support payments, it, it was to make sure that you know you're going through this uh, divorce situation that especially the children aren't affected because of the divorce. So a lot of times people look at support payments as, you know, this is a pain for me that I have to pay this. Remember, you know, a lot of times you have children on the other side. So, you know, that is the key thing there is, is you should be concerned about your children and concerned that you want to be in a financial situation that you're going to be able to provide for your children, even if it's through support payments. Now, Paul, you brought this up already, but I just want to dive a little bit deeper into it. So for the spouse who's responsible for making support payments, how will these payments affect their consumer? consumer proposal or their bankruptcy, i.e. surplus income, for example. Yes, and Jasmine has just mentioned it's a non-discretionary fund. So how it does affect, and it really starts where we start running the scenarios. So with a consumer proposal, uh, we, we take a look at what surplus income is going to be. It's not just in a bankruptcy situation because how creditors view consumer proposals is what are we going to get in this consumer proposal compared to a bankruptcy situation? So that's why we even do calculations of surplus incomes when we're discussing consumer proposals. So if you are making a support payment, it is actually going to lower your your surplus income payments that you would make in a bankruptcy. So you can see right there, it's starting to affect what am I going to pay in my consumer proposal? What am I going to compare pay in my bankruptcy? So they basically both equally affect the consumer proposal and bankruptcy the same way. Okay. And Jasmine, divorce can sometimes add to financial struggles for each person. What advice do you have for a newly divorced person who's struggling with growing debt load and affordability challenges? I think those people really need to just go back to basics. Um, and it's stuff that I know that we seem to preach about constantly, <laughs> yes. about budget, budget, budget. But a budget is going to be your most powerful money management tool. Um, so it's going back, making a list. What do you have coming in? So you have potentially income from your employment. Are you re are you receiving support payments from a spouse or, or an ex-spouse for child support or spousal support, Canada child benefit, those types of things. So you really want to look at what everything is that you have coming in and then also what you have going out. So typically starting with fixed expenses, what are the things that are constant, they don't change? Um, do you now have to pay for childcare, those types of things. So focusing on what you have going out and then what's left over and taking a look at, do you have sufficient funds left over each month to reasonably cover your debt payments? And if you don't, then that might be, you know, that's when you need to reach out to a licensed insolvency trustee to look at some options. But definitely back to basics, budgeting, taking a detailed look at where you're at. These types of things, marital breakdown, job loss, um, illness, those are 
big major life events that really shake up a person's financial situation and they should be triggers to definitely go back and look at the budget, evaluate your new situation, your new normal and, and really see where you're at. I so another thing I want to circle back to is um I don't know if if it's that you know we've started to focus more on mental health and and people are more open about going to therapy and doing better and co-parenting has become like healthily co-parenting has become really important to a lot of people and I'm seeing this effect on how people are choosing to end their relationships they seem to be ending more now than they were, say, 20, 30 years ago. So I'm wondering, can ex-spouses who are amicable uh, file a joint bankruptcy or joint proposal? Well, it depends already on their, uh, first of all, is the debt joint? And this is all part of financial planning. So if you're substantially almost all your debt is joint, you could be looking at a consumer proposal. Uh, you know, just because you live apart doesn't mean your financial life is going to be changing. You are tied that way as well. It's also important to remember in financial literacy, and, and you've brought this up, uh, is that our, our children learn from what they see from their parents as well. Uh, so, you know, that's, I think, why we're seeing a lot of the divorces being more, uh, I guess, amicable, that they want to have a good divorce to show their their kids that in the future, you know, you can get together in a relationship, you can split up, things will be fine, you'll still be friends, you'll still look out for each other, you'll still look out for the children as well. It also comes down to the financial life. And I've heard this from, uh, you know, my kids, some of their, their, their friends, I hear from the parents as well, when, you know, one spouse isn't making a support payment you hear this all the time at sports especially you know if one, one spouse is not making his support payments the, the kids pick up on this as well so down the road they're going to be learning that hey in the future if i'm going through a divorce i really don't have to make those support payments or they're going to think you know what i have to make those support payments otherwise you know we need to teach our children proper financial literacy and you know marriage and divorce is part of someone's financial life and we should be showing our children that hey it's an obstacle to overcome but you can do it now as we close out i want to know jasmine is there anything that you any advice that you would like to give somebody who is facing a divorce and struggling financially i would say to try as best as you can to set your emotions aside and to take proper steps to really look at your own situation and do what makes the most sense so consulting with legal counsel um, on the actual separation divorce property settlement type matters um, would be recommended also if there is debt um, that needs to be dealt with that you don't ignore it because ignoring things does not make them go away and the more proactive you can be in dealing with things um, the better so reach out reach out there are debt solutions available a licensed insolvency trustee goes through options there is no cost there is no obligation. It is meant to give you information and information is power. It equips you to make better decisions. And then, like I said before, on your own, going back to basics, looking at the budget, figuring out you know, what is the reality of your new normal and do you need any help? And if you need help, do not hesitate. Don't let yourself become overwhelmed or stressed, reach out. There's options available. 
That's awesome advice. Paul, do you have anything to add? Uh, that is great advice. Jasmine's got some great advice there. And with financial literacy, one thing you have to remember is how long did you plan for that marriage? How long did you plan for that wedding? Uh, you know, on the opposite side, divorce should be part, there should be planning involved in a divorce. And we're not saying planning, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm getting out of here, I want out, I, you know what, but there's a lot of things that you have to plan for in a divorce situation. Where am I going to move? You know, where are the kids going to be? Where are they going to be most of the time? Where am I going to be banking? Where? Am, well, your debt should be included in that financial planning, in that divorce planning as well. And you know what, try to keep open lines of communication communications as well you know you're doing this you're going through this you know hopefully things will be better in the future right now it might be the most stressful thing you're going through in your life but things are going to get better in the future as well so you know take the advice from an expert uh call us call a licensed insolvency trustee we're here to listen we're not here to say you have to do this right now we're here to provide your options so when you're ready to proceed you know what to do Thank you both. That was excellent advice. And thank you for the time. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank my guests on this episode about debt and divorce, Jasmine Brown and Paul Yadiak. If you're looking for more financial wellness podcasts, articles, debt management resources, and tools, please visit our website, debtsolutions.bdo.ca. And remember, we are here to help you turn the page on debt. Your next chapter is waiting.